Hello, you are listening to The Empowerment Project. I'm Nicole Dargi, and I'm a yoga teacher and empowerment coach for women, men, and teens. I teach yoga, I take women on retreats, and I help teens realize their self-worth. Okay, we are rolling. All right, so I am so excited today to have special guest here, Dean Hallitau, who is a former football player for both Australia and New Zealand for the West Tigers and Bulldogs. We're here today to talk to Dean about men's empowerment and men's mental health. Thank you so much for coming in today. It's so awesome to have you here, Dean. Oh, it's great to be on here and uh, talking about something that, that I'm quite passionate about and uh, something that I've probably uh, spent a bit of time over the last four or five years, probably longer than that, um, dealing with. So uh, looking forward to the chat. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, just to tell you also, Dean has uh, been the wellbeing uh, consultant. Is that what you were? Well, I was wellbeing programs manager at the NRL for the last three years. Um, yeah, I started working at the NRL for uh, four years ago, but for the last three years I've been the, the programs manager, wellbeing programs manager at the NRL. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about what prompted you to take on that role and what was the most rewarding thing for you or the highlights in that role? Um, well, when I was, as every player does, they come to the end of their career and uh, you've got to think about what's coming next. It's something that uh, in, in the space that, that I've worked in over the past four years, we, we try and uh, really impress on our players to to have one eye on, on what's going to happen beyond your playing days. It might happen very quickly. It might be a long time before it happens. But um, yeah, my, my time was coming up and I'd done a fair bit of work through my career in the wellbeing and education space. Um, working at rookie camps, uh, being an education ambassador, uh, so I was I was well and truly on that sort of path anyway. Uh, and then there was an opportunity that came up uh, as I was in my last year of playing, and and I took it as soon as it came up because because I, I know those opportunities don't come by very often. And uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to to get into the type of work that I, that I have been doing um, for the past four years, as I said. And um, I guess the the main motivation or driver for me to do it is that. Uh, I often would lean towards helping younger players or mentoring younger players and um, really making sure that or at least trying to help players be be well away from the field uh, and that was uh, pro- probably a natural progression for me to be working in the game in that space or in this space. So uh, very lucky, very lucky. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like they were lucky to have you as well. And uh, so tell me, have you got some experiences that you found particularly rewarding working with young guys that came into the into the field, especially you know being in the spotlight and all that pressure? And you know, to, have you got any fond memories of that time that you spent during that role? Um, yeah, look, I've I've been fortunate enough to to work with guys that I, I love watching the game of rugby league. So. Firstly, I'm a fan of the game. I was lucky enough to play it uh, for a career. And um, now, as you say, I get to work with young guys that are coming into the game that um, play the game really well. So I've got a, a, an immense amount of respect for the fact that they've got that talent, that drive to, to be able to play first grade rugby league. But also there's a lot of really good young men um, that play the game. And um, to be able to work in a space that supports them as young men away from the game, one of, one of the main, um, I guess, one of the key uh, drivers of our programs is to help players be better for being a part of the game so that when they finish they're, they're good human beings and um, you know to be able to be a part of that to see these guys playing the game that I love playing it well but also becoming good people off the field is something that 
I really enjoyed. So any, any players that, that I've worked with over the years or that I might have given a bit of advice to that they can come back later and say to me, hey, that that really helped me or um, to see them maybe, you know, succeed in their own careers on the field and then transition smoothly out of the game into into a career off the field. Uh, that's probably the most rewarding thing. Anyone that works in our space will say the same thing. It's, it's how players probably transition out of the game and how successful that transition is that um, probably gives you the most reward. Yeah, definitely. And you yourself, as you said, you know, as you're now transitioning into more presenting and commentating and you've got your own family now, you've got three beautiful children and a gorgeous wife and, you know, you've got to find that balance within your life, don't you? And I'm sure that's very much a part of it as well. Yeah, balance is, is really important for, for anyone, I guess, um, you know, family, career and um, other responsibilities that they all sort of come together. And a big part of our programming is looking at, at an athlete or a player as, as a whole person. And um, we look at a number of different dimensions in their life and make sure that um, they're all working in sync together. Uh, we find often when players are struggling or going through a tough period, it might be because something in their life in that that whole person view is not not really going well. So it might be psychological, it might be uh, family and relationships, it may be community, it might be anything that um, you know makes up a whole person uh, that they might be struggling with and, and it impacts the way they play as well. So if, if we can work with the players to make sure we get all areas of their life in order, then often we get better performing players, but also, you know, better people again away from the game. Yeah, definitely. Sounds very, very good, very interesting. A lot of support there for these men, which is fantastic. So just on a more personal note for you, for you, Dean, um, you know, you've been travelled some really highs in your career and you've obviously had some lows as well um, and you've had to really pull yourself up and really rise to the challenges that have been presented to you. So. How have you dealt with that personally, you know, mentally, emotionally and physically? How how did you go with that? Yeah, look, there's a, a number of, of challenges um, playing the game, playing any professional sport, but playing rugby league. Uh, probably the, the first the first challenge is, is selection. Like that's something that every player that makes it to an elite level uh, is probably going to deal with. There's, there's uh, every week a team's read out. There's 17 players that are picked in each team and uh, to roll at that weekend and uh, it can be often quite uh, stressful or anxious. It can be quite a bit of anxiety waiting for team selection to come out and and whether or not your name's going to be read out. So, um, you know, there's a there's a fair bit of pressure around that. And and if you are unlucky enough not to be picked that week, it's um, the challenge is well, how do I bounce back and and try and make myself more in the picture to be to be picked next week? And uh, for some guys that can be uh, ongoing. There's there's some guys that play a lot of reserve grade and and don't often get that that crack and. Uh, at first grade and and for me my opportunity came along I don't know if it was by accident but um, it came out of nowhere uh, I really didn't expect it to happen so when it did come uh, I was I was very very happy and, and obviously very excited to get that chance but um, down the track there were times when I when I got dropped or I wasn't I wasn't selected and um, it became harder for me to probably accept that at times um, as I matured and, and became a uh, more senior player or more experienced player, I learned how to deal with that better. And and as I said before, it was about understanding what I needed to do to get back in the side. So um, again, that's so selection is probably the first big challenge. Is there's also injuries. Uh, injuries are part and parcel with any sport, um, yeah. in particular in, in the game of rugby league. Um, you know, injuries can be pretty substantial. I've had a number myself, and um, the first thing I guess you go go into. Uh, 
uh, is is again you, you think about your selection, my place in the team. It's it's at risk if I'm not going to be available available physically to be selected. Sure. Um, and if you know it's something serious, where you're going to be out for a period of time, you start thinking about contracts as well. Well, if if this rolls into you know the end of my contract and I'm not back on the field, how am I going to perform so that I'll be picked by the by the club and and, and re-signed for the following year? So. Look, I had a number of injuries over my career. I had some that kept me out for six months. I had some that kept me out for three months. I had back-to-back knee injuries that almost put an end to my career. I, um, it was probably around about 2011. I had uh, something like my sixth knee injury in a row on my right knee, and, and I was almost ready to hang it up, or hang the boots up. I wasn't. Um, I didn't think that I could get back on the field, and um, that, yeah, that, they're very challenging times. And, and you mentioned mentally, that's something that um, yeah. that probably. As a youngster, you know, being young in 2011, I was testing my maths. I was about 20, uh, 28. Yep. So I was still quite experienced, but um, it was still a really big challenge and took me to a pretty a negative space. So, um, wow. And so, yeah. what sort of strategies did you have to help you through those lows that you experienced during those times? Did they? Did you get support, or did you draw upon something that you were using at that time? Was it just? Something that you just pulled through by yourself. Um, I probably, I probably took that approach initially. Was the the work through it by myself, uh, which is very, uh, very much a, um, a trait that I picked up as a kid. You know, toughen up, man up, and that sort of attitude that um, a lot of young a lot of young men will probably lean towards is that. Yeah. I don't want to appear like I've got a problem or appear to be weak um, because yes. it might again risk my position in the team or risk where I stand within the group. Uh, so at the time, I did take the approach of I'll get through this by myself. So I, I closed off the people trying to help me and 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 really tried to um, just punch through and, and really get through it. And I wouldn't talk about if I was struggling on or not with what was going on. Um, I was with Rochelle, my wife, my now wife. She was my um, she we'd only just been married uh, a year or two at that time. So um, I probably didn't even lean on her enough. I didn't I didn't ask her or let her know that I was struggling. Um, but she obviously knew because my whole demeanor changed and yeah. it was probably difficult for her to be around me at that time yes. for, the, for the state that I was in. But yeah. um, the more and more uh, time passed through those you know, those injuries, there was people around me supporting me that I probably didn't acknowledge or I wasn't you know, showing enough um, gratitude towards and the medical staff at the club that were doing everything they could to make sure I followed the processes to get back on the field. Um, Rochelle's support for me um, that was um, it was just there in the background without me actually knowing how subtle it was I guess uh, and it was a conversation I had with her one day we were sitting at a cafe we had some time to ourselves and I was having a conversation with her and, and I, f- I fessed up and said I was struggling with what was going on so um, and, and she may not remember that I'm sure she does remember the conversation <laughs> but I, I do remember it quite well in, in the cafe we were in and that but it was probably the first time that I sort of said something out loud that yeah, I'm struggling with this. It's not easy and and, and whatnot. So um, that was something that back in 2011, I don't think it was something that was spoken, like, yeah. you know, showing that you, you were struggling with a mental um, illness or with, with mental health difficulties. It wasn't something that was probably as spoken about back then, particularly with men. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, I'm so glad you shared this story because, you know, I really feel that now that we've been able to crack that nut in so many ways because of male suicide rates being so high that, uh, you know, men are more encouraged a lot more now than to speak up and to share. So um, looking back, you know, where you are now, would you have done that differently? You know, would you have 
probably been a bit more open with the people around you. Do you feel that that was, would have been helpful for you? Yeah, definitely. I think I would have, uh, and I encourage any, any player, um, men and women to, to be open and to talk. Women are, are better at talking than men being open <laughs> with their, with their feelings, which is, which is great. But, um, I would encourage, I, I do that in my, in my work now, encourage people if they are struggling with, with an issue to, to seek professional help if needed, but to yeah. talk to those around them if, if that's, um, you know, the, the best initial kind of step. And, um, yeah, if I go back to myself then and, and I would say to myself, look, you're struggling. It's, it's, it's not, um, a weakness to go and to Absolutely speak to someone. Not. And, yeah. um, yeah, I, we are lucky as a game to have, um, the support of a, an employee assistance program. It's, it's, it's available to every player in the game, to their families, to every staff member in the game as well. It's, it's a really good, um, uh, assistance program that uh, it was available at the time. I didn't access it at the time um, because I didn't want to uh, be seen to go in there. Not that it's it's all confidential, and you know I didn't. I, I guess it all comes back to that that fear of stigma. Yeah, the stigma showing weakness yeah. or you know yes. risking my position in, in the team. Yes, I mean this is this is the big reason why I'm here speaking to you and to other men in this field because uh, you know we we need to shift that. More than ever before, and um, and speak up. And I, I really believe, you know, as a yoga teacher, whenever I'm te- teaching yoga to men, uh, it's really powerful. It's very courageous, and it takes a lot of inner strength, you know, to to be vulnerable and to draw upon that that courage, which is what they call the, the spiritual warrior in in my circles as a yoga teacher. And um, and I really feel that that's true. That's what um, is c- coming through a lot for men at the moment is, you know, making that transition from being playing tough uh, to to going and, and finding that courage within to speak up and and realise it's not a weakness, is it? It's absolutely yeah. not a weakness. It takes that strength. So um, which really brings me to the, the next bit. Um, I was reading about you um, and how back in 2004 when you first had to learn how to do the haka and you were sharing a room with um, Warangi Kopu the, um, from the Warriors and uh, he had to teach you how to do the haka and I'm really keen to hear, you know, how that was for you because it's such a, an amazing tradition which really draws upon that for me when I see the haka, I see like this, the male spiritual warrior spirit come out. I think it's incredible. It's very moving. So, yeah, I'd love to hear how your experience was with that. Yeah, well, it was um, it was my first ever experience actually performing the haka. And, and, and as you said, Wairangi uh, taught me uh, in our hotel room. We were, uh, he, he's a very uh, very proud Māori man and, and, he, and he speaks the language and uh, he understands uh, that, the meaning of the haka, so he was a he's a great go to for me to mm-hmm. as my roommate to to ask. All right, I want to do this right. How do I do it right? And it, the first thing he said to me, he goes, "Don't worry, you're going to stuff up." He goes, "You'll get the words wrong, you'll get the actions wrong, but it's about doing it with with pride and passion." So that's the the first thing that that you want to you want to make sure you do. So if at any point you feel like you're stumbling or you're making a mistake, he goes, "Just just carry on, do it with with pride and with passion. Show your mana, your, your strength, and, and your spirit." And um, you know that was. For me, comforting to know that you know he, he's saying that to me, and I was uh, I was very respectful of that. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to to learn from him. Firstly, uh, the words and, and the meaning behind uh, the hucker and, and the story and why we do it, and um, and then to go out and perform it with the team. It was uh, all I remember. It was a, it was a real blur um, to go out and perform it and, and get through it. It felt like it went really quickly, and, and I'm sure I made a, a bunch of mistakes, but. Um, you know, it was it was great to be out there and representing a really proud culture 
Uh, and, and I've been in Australia since I was four years old. So I didn't have a real strong connection to, to Maori culture or to, um, to my own culture. I'm Nguyen. My background is Nguyen. So my dad's from a small island in the Pacific called Nguyen. Right. Uh, and, and I, and I didn't have a, a real strong connection. I grew up in a, in a very Anglo Australian school, like in an area where, um, yeah, I didn't have that exposure. My, my parents, um, you know, not, not by choice. It just wasn't, I wasn't exposed to any, um, connection with culture and, Going into my first Kiwi team and, and being a part of that was really special. It was something that um, I couldn't really uh, explain it when I got back what it was like. It was just a, a feeling like it was yeah, wow. such, a, such a really connected group and, and I felt yes. really at home and um, and then and to get it all brought together in my first hucker and my first test match for the for the Kiwis, it was it was against France down in France and it was um, it was really special. So um, I felt like that was a, a really good step to connecting me to to the Kiwis jersey and and to being a part of of that group and and that, that part of my my own history so uh, yeah. it was really good yeah that's amazing i love that story so much and it must have made you feel like you were connected back to your roots of your culture and that must have as you said you got this amazing feeling uh out of that that you know probably helped you play better <laughs> yeah and and like i like i said i grown up i've grown up mostly in australia i was i was here when i was 4 so um and you can tell by my accent, I've got an Aussie accent, but um, my, my always, I'd always sit down with my dad and watch test matches between Australia and New Zealand, and I was always going for the Kiwis. It was always going to be uh, that if I had the opportunity to play representative rugby league, it was going to be for the Kiwis. So I didn't I didn't follow Australia. I respect Australia immensely, and I consider myself an Australian, you know, yeah. by virtue of me being here. I love the country, but um, I'm very proud to be a Kiwi also. And um yeah, like you said, connected me back to my roots, made me feel even more like a Kiwi to be an Aussie accent, Kiwi born, Aussie living, um, but performing the haka and being a part of that group. It was it was a really good moment. That sounds amazing. I love that. I, I love that that was such a highlight for you. And I, I'm really keen to hear that, uh, you know, once you found that reconnection, do you, did it help you to discover something about yourself and traditions and a sense of belonging? Did it help you in any way to feel more connected? Well, I think it, it was kind of um, the way my parents raised me when I was younger, um, there was a lot of similarities to the way I seen things and, and the way I thought about things to a lot of the guys that I was with in that Kiwi camp. So um, to be I, – I felt very comfortable around around the boys in the Kiwi camp and, and I still feel really – connected to, to Kiwis when I when I catch up with any of the boys that I played with or any, any Kiwi really. Like there's just this like, I don't know, it's it's kind of intrinsic. You just feel but like you do belong. And yeah. um, I put that down to the way that my parents raised me. So yeah, whether or not I, I knew it, they were teaching me values and and ways that were very familiar to, to being brought up in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, going into that camp, being a part of the Kiwis for the first time and connecting with those those guys uh, was definitely uh, something that, that made me feel more and more like a Kiwi. Yeah, fantastic. And so I guess, you know, this this sense of belonging and feeling connected, is it's really important for young men and particularly in this day and age where there's a lot of disconnection because of technology and also because of the global issues that are going on, COVID. And I feel like 
you know, with young men, they're looking for something. And I feel like that's why football is so popular in our culture as well, because they're looking to belong to something. And that's why we have our favorite team. And that's why we follow certain people and so on. And, and I feel like that, you know, this sense of belonging is a part of our, such an important part of our culture. And some ways, in some ways it's missing and um, in the young men these days. And there's a lot of pressure on top of that for, for men, even men with families these days um, with family, peer pressure, career, and also just change in general. Just overall there's a lot of change going on financially. And sometimes there's that pressure from mates as well, you know, that sort of come on, mate, don't be a wuss, you know, come on. And like as you were saying before, you uh, felt that pressure yourself. And it can have like a destructive effect on our mental state and emotional state. And and I guess that, you know, uh, you know, it would be great to hear from you what you feel has helped you with the pressures away from football to help feel like you have a sense of connection and belonging, you know, like with your family or your community um, or any other, anything else you do that you feel helps you that may, someone else listening to this may Sort of get inspired by. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it's um, that that you know want to be connected to people and and, yeah. and feel a part of something. Everyone's everyone's got it. it makes you feel safe and, and comfortable when you're a part of a group and you're connected. And um, you definitely rugby league environment is is really great for that because once you're once you're in the inner sanctum or you're part of a team, then and you and you do you know spend a, a long time of your, of your life. Uh, working hard with these guys, and you know, you, you go out in the training field. It's it's really tough, a tough environment in terms of the physical part of it. So to be able to bond over something so physical and and to be connected in that way, it, it definitely brings you into a, a really uh, strong group. And that was something that I always loved about the game was that um, for three months of the year in preparation for the season, you, you literally spilt blood, sweat, and tears to get onto the field in the first place. So when you had a result where you won a game, you felt even closer and more connected to those guys around you. And, um, you know, to be in that, in that environment and, and feeling that was, was pretty special. And, and it created that, that, that bond or that sense of connection that, that you talk about where, you know, we, we crave and we want, um, with that comes a lot of other things. So like you said, the, the language around, uh, the way guys speak to each other, uh, harden up or tough yeah. it out or don't be a wuss and and that sort of thing. We, we try and address that with some of our programs in, in the game, in, in the NRL. Um, one of the things that – one of the programs that we found to be uh, really successful at creating behavioural change, particularly around um, the way blokes speak, is, is our um, Respect for Relationships program. So um, that's mostly towards with, – with respect towards women. So uh, one of the things that, that we do with this program, and we had a, a sex and ethics – um, six-week course where we put players through a number of workshops to reframe the way that they speak or the way that they act in intimate situations, but also in general uh, with the the language they use around the boys. So um, if we reframe that and, and change, it's not, I don't want to call it toxic masculinity, but just change the way, reframe the way guys are speaking in their groups when they're by themselves, in their manly groups. Right. Um, changing the way that they speak, changing the language they use because um, it kind of sets the tone for the way some guys think. Not every guy is going to be, um, you know, not the best person, but um, if there's one or two guys around, big groups of blokes, and, and they pick up on the acceptance of poor language, then it makes it okay for them to to behave poorly. Um, sure. So we, we do a number of programs to try and reframe the way guys are speaking. 
um, about themselves, about others, about women. Um, it's a really big part of our programming. Um, but that's a, that's a negative byproduct of being a part of a group. Um, yes. Can you give me an example of, of something? Like I just want to know one phrase that you – just give me an example of one particular phrase that, that someone would use and how you would turn that around to a positive. In, in, in regards to the, – The program that you – referring to you well, know. some stuff I probably don't want to say on okay. a podcast <laughs> but that's all right I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll use I'll use an example of um if I, I don't know what the rating is in this podcast. so if if a if a girl was to was to hook up with a number of guys what would the girl be labeled oh it starts I'll, with an s yeah right yeah. so and then I'll, I'll put this to the players I'll say well what about if a guy sleeps around with with a lot of girls what do you what do you say about the guy Zero. That's right. That's that's a common response, but that's a response from yourself as well. It's the same response from players. Yes. Um, and I said, but why is why is that the case? They're not saying all players, but it's it's mostly for young men, I think. But um, I said, why is that fair that way? And they go, well, when you put it like that, it's not really fair. I said, so why do you say it? Well, why would you say it? And they go, well, I guess we we shouldn't say it, or we wouldn't say it. And I go, well, that's the point, right? So reframing the language or the way that guys think, so it doesn't, um, you know drive that that poor that poor language that I'm speaking about. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. It's so it's it's like it's it's like rewiring the brain, changing the thought processes to to create yep. new ways of thinking and influence, you know, particularly those young men who are very impressionable as you say, yeah. who haven't found the maturity yet as you said yourself and and found the right tools and the right strategies and um, even just it's about surrounding yourself with the right people, yeah. you know, it's so important, but also the mindset that it goes around in that group is is crucial, yeah. uh, and and I really feel like uh, with men these days, it's really important to be the courageous one to speak up and say, "Hey, that's not okay." Yeah, because if you if you are that person to stop stop it in its tracks, then that can have a ripple effect out there as well. And, and I, that's that's a big part of it. There's an, there's other stuff too. We do a lot around um, vilifying language. So this has come up recently in the game. There's been an example where uh, I think it was a comment made out of ignorance rather than um, out of – or there was malice in it because it was intended in a bad way. But um, educating players on, on the use of vilifying language and something that, that we've addressed pretty heavily in the last probably six years is around homophobic slurs, which is – Again, I've heard school kids walking past in small groups using homophobic slurs and um, whether or not they they see it as something that would cause offence to, to someone um, because of their sexual persuasion, then, um, you know, that's another thing. I don't know if they're mature enough to understand, you know, that's the depth of it, but um, that's something that we address as well. We, we do theatre sports with, with playing groups where we throw them into scenarios and we get them to call out, as you say, call out those types of um, – slurs or those the, the, the use of vilifying language so that um, if it's out there and, and then we, and we put it out there, then at least gives them a second to pause and think about, it. well, hey, if I say this, am I really offending someone that's in our circle that that maybe, um, you know, might be considering whether or not um, what their, their sexual persuasion is and are they going to feel comfortable enough to come out in the group? Well, probably not if that language is getting used. So there are the sorts yeah. of things that, that our programs uh, have yes. been doing for a number of years now yep. uh, and, and it's – it goes across not just rugby league, but it can go into all parts of community. Absolutely. As a youth mentor, I've been trained to use particular pronouns when I'm addressing a young yep. group of teenagers and not refer. Some of them don't even want to be known as she or her, but instead they. Yeah. And it's a real thing and it potentially could be coming through Football as well, the culture, yeah. potentially. I'm not saying will, but potentially could. Yeah, it could. It could. Yeah. Yeah. Be prepared for it. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's that's all really 
amazing work that you're doing that you have done. And I guess what I'm interested in hearing from you as well is um, for the men, young men and men out there who are, who are really struggling, who are going through a lot of mental issues but don't really want to tell anyone or who don't really want to go anywhere and speak to anyone, what, what sort of advice would you give them you know, for dealing with things within themselves, what, what, uh, what would you advise young men doing to, to sort of go and do to help themselves? Yeah, well, there's like obviously, as I said earlier, the, the, the best advice I would give myself is to be upfront or to be open and to speak to someone about it. But there's obviously a reluctance from a lot of people to do that. Um, trust, you know, trust is a big thing. You, you might not feel like you can go and open up to a stranger, um, trust with someone close. You don't want to reveal something to someone close, the fear that they might reveal it to someone else or yeah. that they, it, it could be used against you or whatever. So um, failing that, if they're unable to go seek um, an ear to listen to them somewhere else, then there's a range of things I suppose they could do um, for their own health and well-being, whether it's uh, an exercise yeah, what would you um, recommend? Regime. What's your what's your go-to? Oh well, I, I, I like to train every day or yeah. most days during the week. So five days is is what I set my targets on every week. Doing, um, I, I train at Reborn, a local yes. a local gym in the Shire. Yes. I train at train at Reborn, and um, yeah, awesome. I try and get in there every day. I like to go uh, there because I don't have to think too much. I just turn up and do whatever's on the board, and and that's that's good for me. Um, yeah, so if you can find a routine or find someone to give give you give you a routine to to get into, then um, you know that's a good start to look after yourself physically. We all know that uh, regular exercise can can help um, mentally as well. So it's it's a really good start. Eating a, a healthy healthy diet, like nutritious foods, um, you know, poor food choices can lead to um, you yeah. know. An unhealthy body, and, and that can also lead to um, some mental health difficulties as well. Um, good sleep, good sleep's a, a like a really big key. Uh, no one functions really well on on <laughs> on poor sleep, and you can't peg back sleep either. So, if you sleep four hours one night and think I'm going to have twelve hours tomorrow night to catch up, it doesn't work. Once you go into into sleep debt, it never comes back. You start you start to deteriorate after that. Um, but you can definitely implement from then on really good sleep practices. You know, have a dark room, nice cool room. Set set a good routine where you go to sleep at the same time every night. Turn off your devices, all those sorts of things. Don't drink coffee late in the day if it, if it stops you from getting to sleep. Don't rely on um, sleep aids either because they they trick your body. They don't they don't actually help get your rhythms right, uh, your sleep rhythms. So um, there's there's another another good one. Sleep. Uh, what else have we got? Where if if you are struggling and, and you don't want to speak to anyone. Um, what about mindset stuff? Have you used anything in regards to mindset? Have you shared any stuff that are with the players that, that has helped them? Yeah, we do a lot of, a lot of work around our positive, positive psychology is what our wellbeing programs are based on. Um, so um, yeah, optimistic thinking and, and positive thoughts, which is sometimes really hard to do when you are in a bad place. It's hard just to go, bang, I'm going to snap out of this and get into some, um, some positive thinking. But um, uh, we do have some uh, programs where we've 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 done resilience building activities. So uh, Hugh Van Kuhlenberg from the Resilience Project is based in Melbourne. Uh, he started working with the game about eight years ago, and he he worked on three pillars of resilience, which is grat- uh, gratitude, mindfulness, and empathy. So beautiful. He, he says he says if if you work on those three things, it can help to to grow in your resilience and um, you know to manage challenging times or setbacks. Um, 
a lot better if, if, if you are able to practice gratitude. So, you know, being thankful for the things that you do have and not um, obsessing over things you don't have or worrying about what's happened in the past, worrying about what's to come, but really, um, you know, being thankful for what you do have. And you know, that takes us on to mindfulness. So as, as you'd be able to speak speak to a lot, but being here and now, being in the present, um, yeah. you know, is, is probably the, the simplest way that I'd explain it to someone. Um, and then empathy. So, you know, putting yourselves in someone else's shoes and, and, and really understanding their thoughts and feelings is something that um, that is a part of the resilience project as well. Uh, random acts of kindness can help build your empathy, doing something for someone else, yeah. not expecting anything in return, but the byproduct is you feel good about yourself. The other person feels good and uh, you get those releases of oxytocin. You know, you feel good about yes. yourself, all that Yeah, I remember that, that day stuff. When, when Rochelle, your beautiful wife, when we're just going into lockdown just at the beginning of COVID and she came over to my house and she put something on my front doorstep. It was a candle and it was some chocolates or a bottle of wine or something. And, you know, she had a beautiful card written. She, she was said something along the lines of, you know, during shit times, you know, eat the cake and, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. she gave me cake. That's what it was, cake and a candle. And and I got home from work that day and I was like literally so stressed because I didn't know if I was going to have to move or, yeah. you know, if I was still wouldn't be stable at home with my kids. And and it was this beautiful gift at my front door from Rochelle. And so that was a random act of kindness, you yeah. know, and things like that really make a huge difference. So, And I agree that the giver gets more of a spike of oxytocin. Yeah than the receiver a lot of the time, yeah, I find. Which yeah. is which is really good. And I'm, I'm proud to say that's something that a lot of the players in the game do. Like they, they'll go out and do things for people that never gets reported on. It's not for, um, you know, for shares or likes on, on social media. It's something that I see a lot of players do just because. And um, Beautiful. You know, I, I, that's why I say off the top there is a, a lot of really good um, young men and women that play the game and that will go, go out of their way to help others. Um and, and and like I said, the byproduct is they feel good. Other people, you know, definitely feel good for for their uh, for their efforts. Yeah, definitely. I love all that. I love all the the, the three things. And um, and I guess you know, sort of looking over all this this situation with men, and the reason why we're here talking is, is to help men going struggling. And women play a really big role in that as well. I know it goes both ways. Um, that you know. We as women need to be there for men at this time because suicide rates are very high and men are still very um, sort of reluctant to come out. What can we as women do help support men going through these tough times at the moment? Um, you think? I, I can only probably think about my wife, Rochelle, and, and yeah. as I said before, it was uh, her support that was it didn't didn't have to be words or anything. It was just that she was always there, and, and I was I was probably really. Um, I was really grumpy at the time. I was in, in in bad moods because of where I was at, and um, just just her support. I reflected on it after it was was something that um, I took for granted. But having it there probably helped me get through those, or definitely helped me get through those periods. Um, open conversation, encourage encouraging men to have open conversations. I suppose is is a good thing. I, I don't know. I don't want to tell women what to do. That's not my. <laughs> it's definitely not my job. Um, but yeah, like. Um, so just listening. Yeah, listening without judgment good. and being open. And as you say, as Rochelle had to say, it sounds like she had a really beautiful presence and an openness with you know without pressure as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you know non non judgmental listening is is important yep. from anyone, and you know not not just women, but um, yeah, for anyone in, that that is 
like dealing with or speaking to someone that's going through tough times, it's it's really important to to not feel judged if if you are speaking and to give yeah give give that space for someone to to let it all out. You know, like that's that's cool. And they're ready in their own time as well. I think yeah. by the sounds of it, in your experience, it had to happen in your time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, um, this nearly brings us to the end, and I just wanted to ask you. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with any anyone out there listening, anyone who's looking for inspiration, who's going through a hard time, any young men who are aspiring maybe even just to to achieve a lot in their life and they're really struggling? What what advice would you give them? What's well, a big it's a big one. Yeah. Um yeah, look, it's when when things are bad or things are tough, there's there's no question that it's shitty. So it's all right to acknowledge that it is bad or it is it is shitty, so you know that's that's okay. And um, pe- people do go through bad times, but I guess the, the the main thing is you want to give people hope that there is better times ahead. So yeah. um, know that wherever wherever you are at in in a, in a bad period or a tough time, there is always hope to go forward or to to move on from that. So um, be buoyed by that because because everyone that has gone through a bad time and come out of the side will say the same thing. Um, and I, I guess. Don't don't be afraid to to open up and to speak to others because um, it, after you do that, you'll realise that it was probably the yes. best thing that that you you could have done is to to get on the front foot with it and and really be proactive early. That's that's probably the best advice that I that I could say. We yeah. hear that so often, don't we? Yeah, it's often too late before yeah. you know people do they go down that spiral. That's absolutely awesome. Thank you so much, Dean. And um, you've just shared with us so many wonderful pearls of wisdom today and, you know, your knowledge and your experience and your stories are so rich and wonderful. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today on the Empowerment Project. And um, I would love to have you back again and um, we'll, we'll hope you all the best for the future okay. with, your, with your next journey with presenting. Oh, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks, Dean. If you've loved what you've heard today, please rate this podcast and leave a review. And if you think that there's someone that needs to hear this podcast, please share this link, honestly. And to find out more, head over to my blog at insideoutyoga.com.au. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other.